Casey. And Lauren. And this is... Magnum BI, the investigative podcast where we dive deep into a new topic each week. Per usual, we're going to add a little bit of comedy, a little bit of banter, and... New audio equipment. New microphone. You guys would not believe the odyssey. <laughs> the emotional turmoil the lengths the which we have traveled to to acquire this singular twenty dollar that is currently i don't even know how to describe our setup right now because it it's cracked it's cracked yep we are um we're sat on my bed i'm laying yeah casey is reclining i have him set up with a bunch of pillows and we've clipped the microphone to another pillow my teddy bear pip to <laughs> try to deaden the sound because originally oh my god i don't even know where to start with the audio debacle should we start with amazon <laughs> with the microphones your very dad good bought? place to start yeah <laughs> because Dan, if you're listening, hi. We love you. We love you so much. Thank but you. But the microphone simply did not work because I am dumb and I picked the bad brand. It was not you, Dan. It was us. <laughs> it was certainly me. And so we started off with those microphones. We bought four different cords mm -hmm. trying to make those work. We went to fucking Radio Shack. We Guitar bought Center. six cords. Guitar Center. We went to Guitar Center. We got two more. So total of six cords for this one specific and two microphone. And the dongles. <laughs> And none of them worked. We couldn't get it to work. So we had to... Casey's going to try and return everything and get his money back. But in the meantime, I went to Best Buy and got a little clip-on mic that seems to be working. Yes. So we're going to run with it for now. Yeah. There are still kinks to work out, i.e. it's clipped onto a teddy bear and I'm laying horizontally. <laughs> this is not the professional setup I thought it was going to be. I am not pleased. But do we? I'm sure we sound a lot crisper, though. Yeah, we did some test runs. This is the best possible setup we could come up with. So I hope your ears are enjoying it because I think we are. I, I know we are. You look comfortable. I'm like, this is dead ass. Like, I... I enjoyed recording the podcast and being presentable. However, I much prefer laying down next to a teddy bear and like speaking to you this way. You so look so cozy. I'm really comfortable. All right, slay. Well, you're about to get really uncomfortable. Oh, great. <laughs> Are you ready for internet indie horror? I'm absolutely pumped. All right, let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. Okay. So. As I want to do at the start of every episode, we're going to start off with a little written piece to set the mood. Oh, I love when Lauren writes, like, <laughs> diatribes. <laughs> so sh we shall begin. <clears throat> the internet exists in a space outside of reality, living between the realms of the intangible and the absolute. Much like the untouched depths of the ocean or the cold recesses of space, the internet exists in a state of limbo, deceptively familiar, and unimaginably vast at the same time. Maybe this vastness is what inspires the awe and reverence human beings feel when they stare into a pit, unable to see the bottom. Anticipation as the pull of gravity lures them to gaze deeper and hesitance at the uncertainty of the unknown. Shut up. <laughs> You're so good at that. I'm not like that's so that's so good. I used to write a lot of fan fiction. No, that's younger. like really, really. That sounds like a like a novel. Like you know, like um, 
in like rom not rom coms but like in like mystery shows there's like the like Carrie Bradshaw character like murder she wrote character who's like a blogger yeah like that sounds like the voiceover that would be in the beginning of an episode oh, that's that, so good that just made me so happy Thank sorry you. not to like get the momentum <laughs> off but that was amazing no right? you're good I was hoping for a reaction um, <laughs> okay um to begin to understand the legacy of horror on the internet it makes sense to start at the very beginning in a time where the internet was a lawless expanse of ones and zeros, entirely unmoderated and open to the wills of any rando with an internet connection and a keyboard. I'm not talking about 2022. <laughs> I'm talking about 2006. Mm -hmm. We set our stage with 4chan. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are you ready? Sure. My, I was all like, wow, this is gorgeous. This is I'm so, so this is great. 4chan! We're going to the toilet of the internet right off the bat. Yep. So, for our other listeners who don't know what 4chan is, 4chan is an image-based website where users can comment on pictures in forums dubbed message boards. The site was launched in 2003 and has lived as a front page to the internet since its inception. Its unmoderated, entirely anonymous user base is a rare look into what the internet used to look like back in its earlier days. While its influence on internet subculture cannot be understated, there is a divide that exists between the kinds of content the website produces. 4chan is responsible for the creation of some of the most recognizable pieces of digital media, such as Lolcats, Rage <laughs> Comics, Rickrolls, and Pepe the Frog. It was also the birthplace for some of the most famous internet-based activist groups, two most notable being Anonymous, mm -hmm. the hacktivist group, and the reinvigorated American alt-right. <laughs> so the dichotomy is dichotomy. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> that's really interesting. So from the same message boards where Anonymous, the hacktivism group that has led cyber, cyber attacks against Al-Qaeda, the Church of Scientology, the Russian government, and the Islamic Republic of Iran sprang the American alt-right Yeah, that's crazy. Where, because of its anonymous, you know, user base, members of the white supremacy movement could go to these unmoderated message boards and just, like, fan the flames of their racism to the point where 4chan actually played a really important part in the January 6th insurrection and the creation of QAnon. Mm. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Because, I don't know, at least in my mind, for the most part, I like to think of the internet and, like, the outer net or, like, reality as two very different places that don't interact very often. So, to be like, oh, the name QAnon is a portmanteau of the message board Q, which is just, like, a random information board on 4chan combined with the word anonymous, which users use to denote themselves in the context of context of their own anonymity yeah i should say that again <laughs> <laughs> no I, I picked that up i know what you mean but it's like yeah it's just fucking crazy to see how all of that has influenced so much of all the shit that's gone on in the past like three years yeah well yeah because first of all i've never heard the term outer net before oh <laughs> and i like that i truly like that a lot thank you secondly yeah it, it's it is interesting how that is something that existed like wholly and entirely online mm -hmm. and now it is like i mean it's i assume you'll go into it but it's like it's very deep and complex but like it it is something that very much influences the the real 
like tangible political environment mm-hmm. so it's crazy how that has gone into the outer net so much uh-huh it's all kind of evolved from like the uh the rage comics yeah in a way that's crazy yeah. yeah and it's like it's it's also insane to me that like just one website kind of like google in a sense has persisted throughout like the entirety of like the internet in pop culture as we know it mm-hmm. because 2003 is like the stone age when mm-hmm. it comes to the internet and to have like one site specifically persist all the way up until what will soon be 2023 that's 30 years of content that all still exists in a single place. Yeah. It's fucking insane. That is about. wild. Like how big it all is and how much information there is. It blows my mind if I, I think about it too I hard. didn't know 4chan still existed. It does, yeah. I didn't know that. You can go there right now. I don't want to. I know. But. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> like it's a, it's a very strange place. Uh, let me see. This dichotomy paints a clear picture of the multifaceted spread of characters that could all be drawn to the same website. Its influence on popular culture, online, and the real world cannot be understated. In the words of Shawn Michaels, a journalist for The Guardian, 4chan is lunatic, juvenile, brilliant, ridiculous, and alarming. And now that we have a better idea of what our sociological baseline is, we can begin to understand the culture from which indie horror on the internet began to form. So the entire sphere that 4chan operates in is very particular in a way. It is deeply ironic, juvenile, and at times malicious. This digital sphere has its way of shaping the content from which it births this new shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So from this digital melting pot springs one of the first forms of memory, an art form that has survived more than 10 years since its original inception copy pasta uh, okay do you know what copy pasta is um not not enough to put it into words okay so here's the definition yeah copy pasta is a phrase derived from the terms copy paste in which you know this phrase itself is indicative of the content the origin of the phrase copy pasta dates back to the 4chan board slash b which is another random jumble of information so i can't like give so and so the copyright to the term copy pasta okay yeah (laughs) but there is someone that originally came up with it like years and years and years ago usually hilarious always unnaturally long and oftentimes annoying copy pasta was and still is a quick and easy way to prank your friends irritate your enemies and spread information far and wide at the click of a mouse the nature of the copy pasta itself is intended to be less malicious than a general spam email while still retaining the annoying nature of any classic piece of troll content. So what you would do, like way back when, is you would just take like an annoyingly long chunk of text that was usually pretty innocuous and just paste it anywhere that you wanted to fuck with people. Mm -hmm. So like if someone posted a take on the internet that you didn't like, you would take like say the entirety of the fitness grand paster test and just post it over (laughs) and over and over again in the thread until they shut up. Uh And it's crazy because like it it didn't really matter what the content was just as long as it was unnecessarily long and really fucking annoying yeah so for example there was the fitness gram pacer test 
the entirety of the B movie script. I was, that's the one I was thinking <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> that one was really popular in like 2016, 2015. Yeah. Do you remember all the B movie memes that people made? Yeah. Those were fucking incessant. Well, and I think it had such an influence that when you said, do you know what copypasta is? My brain said the entirety of the B movie script. <laughs> but I was like, how do I put that into English words yep. that make sense? Yep. <laughs> My personal favorite copypasta and... One that I almost tried to commit to memory at one point just so that I could like fuck with people. And I don't know why I decided this would be like a fun or interesting little thing to do was this <laughs> one specific Navy SEAL copy pasta. And I'm going to read an excerpt of it to you now. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> what the fuck did you just fucking say about me, you little bitch? I'll have you know, I graduated top of my class in the Navy SEALs, and I've become involved in numerous secret raids on Al-Qaeda, and I have over 300 confirmed kills. I am trained in guerrilla warfare, and I'm in the top sniper in the entire U.S. Armed Forces. You are nothing to me but another target. I will wipe you the fuck out with precision the likes of which has never been seen before on this earth. Mark my fucking words. And it goes on! What you don't know, dear listeners... <laughs> Is that Lauren wasn't reading from her computer. <laughs> she was looking me dead in the eye and reciting from memory. I wish. I wish. But that, that little chunk of text was so funny to me and prob- and still is. I have 300 confirmed kills. <laughs> I am trained in guerrilla warfare. I'm the top sniper of the entire U.S. Armed Forces. It's, and, and, and the thing about it that kills me is this is something that some human being wrote at one point yeah. or another. And because of its... Mm-hmm just absolute idiocy it's become like this piece of internet like hall of fame gold that just has been like repeated and copied and pasted and copy pasted all over the entire fucking internet yeah to permanently make fun of some poor idiot that probably just like had some sort of brain melting gamer rage moment yeah, was really mad about <laughs> something in call of duty will and... never ever be able to escape that yeah ever it yeah. lives on so that's a short history of copy pasta. Uh-huh. It wasn't long before copy pastas were being used to disseminate large swaths of information, big air quotes, <laughs> around the globe. <laughs> and enterprising authors of the early 2000s saw the draw of sending their work to thousands of people with the click of a button. Capitalizing on the nature of the copy pasta's sudden and usually unwarranted appearance in any unlikely victim's inbox, authors began weaponizing this short-form communication method to dispense information of the spookier variety. Hmm. This was the beginning of the next wave of copypasta, soon to be dubbed creepypasta. Okay, the, yeah, this is... You know this yeah. one. <laughs> Indie horror, when you said that's what you're doing, this is all I know. Uh-huh. I not I don't even know it like intimately or mm-hmm. deeply, but like this is all I like I am aware of. Everybody's heard of creepypasta. Yes, everybody knows creepypasta. So... Using the easy-to-navigate format of the innocuous copy-paste, authors of spooky stories used copypasta to send their internet ghost stories far and wide, garnering an unprecedented amount of attention in an incredibly short amount of time. Most of the original copypastas circulated across the slash export of 4chan, which focused mostly on the paranormal. Two such stories firstly being Polybius, which was a story about a haunted copy of a mysterious video game, and secondly being Bunny Man, which was an urban legend about a murderer who wore a bunny costume, began with a kernel of truth, or a somewhat innovative idea, and just like ghost stories around a campfire, made their rounds across the internet, 
picking up steam and evolving with each copy pasted iteration Mm -hmm. so that was like the exciting part about this kind of horror was that people could kind of like tack on little bits to it as they copied and pasted it edit as it went and just like not only disseminate this information across like large swaths of the digital landscape but also like leave their little thumbprint on it as it went on its way that's interesting because that's kind of how i mean that's like one how like urban legends historically exist Mm -hmm. is just like the story gets like retold so many times Mm -hmm. and also like going way further back than that that's how like oral what's the word like oral Oral history oral storytelling like like native american like story legends like it's just like they tell these stories so many times they're never actually written down mm-hmm. so it's more like the tradition of like retelling a story and like adding a piece each time it's like a very innately human thing yeah 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 that's actually really i mean i know it took a really like weird toxic like <laughs> it, like zoomer thing there mm-hmm. but like that that's really interesting actually yeah right it, yeah. it there's a little bit of nuance to it as yeah. it were so by 2007, creepypasta had become a new genre of content in its own right, and fans of urban legends, horror, and short stories all came together in a new combination of content that took the internet by storm. While the first creepypasta, named Ted the Caber, which was this uh, series of blog posts that are supposed to mimic like someone's real-life account of them exploring a spooky cave, mm-hmm. and it ends on a cliffhanger, um, <laughs> Get it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was hoping for it. Um, was first posted in 2001. The creepiest of the creepypastas made its online debut in 2009. This was the year that the story of Slenderman was mm-hmm. uploaded to the Something Awful forum on 4chan by the user Victor Surge, whose real name is Eric Nidson. Using a poorly photoshopped image of a tall, thin man in a black suit, Eric spun a tale of a supernatural <laughs> being that lived in the deepest parts of the woods in rural America and snatched children, hiding in the recesses of the human mind just beyond our understanding. What was that little giggle? <laughs> well, I was going to say, <laughs> tall, pale man in a suit is was me dressed as Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> that was you a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, you're totally fine. Um, um, Slenderman, like... I heard about Slenderman when I was in, like, middle school. Mm-hmm. So I was too old to, like, really be, like, scared of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it really freaked me out. No. I was, like, I was at the age where I was, like, logically, I know this isn't real and it doesn't make sense. But I still will be in my bed at night, like, thinking about this thing, you no, know? No, I will go on record and say I had the exact same situation because I remember very clearly, I think I was at one of my cousin's birthday parties. It was, like, 2013, 2014. I am reading this, like, story. I think it was a copy pasta of mm-hmm. the original creepypasta that I found on fucking DeviantArt. <laughs> and I was reading it, like, in the dark, in, like, the like a back room of one of my uh, extended family members' houses. And I just remember being so, like, spooked yeah. by it. Yeah. Because it was just well-written enough that I was like, there's, like, a possibility this could be real yeah but i went back and looked at some of the shit now and it's bad yeah (laughs) Yeah. but it was just like i remember that moment so poignantly and from that moment forward i was like hooked yeah and there's something i don't know if you're gonna touch on this i don't want to like jump to your thing but there's something about like slender man doesn't have a face Mm -hmm. and there's something about not being able to read the emotion on a person's 
a very large person's face Mm -hmm. that like even for an adult that thought is unsettling Mm -hmm. that's like something that just touches you no funnily enough i was actually listening to um an episode of binge-topia earlier today (laughs) my new favorite podcasting obsession and they thanks maddie and amelia yeah thank you guys you fucking rock and they were talking about this experiment called the still face experiment which was done i can't remember if it was done a while ago or if it was more recent but it's this um highly decorated highly replicable psychology study where they take babies and have them interact with their primary caregiver so they sit the baby in the chair and they have the mother usually interacting with the child like playing with it just reacting to it anything that the baby does the mother like responds to it normally Mm -hmm. and then they instruct the parent to completely stop reacting to the child and just go completely still in the face no reaction whatsoever and like 100 percent of the time the babies will get like extremely fucking agitated before completely shutting down and going like stone cold face neutral as well so there's like some kind of innate psychological thing that makes us terrified of not being able to read emotions. That's interesting. Right? That is so interesting. Yeah. I love that pod. I learn something new every time I listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Amelia played that first episode for us in the car, I oh. was like, yeah. I was I, like, yeah. I fully had like a transcendental moment. Yeah. I am never going to be the same. <laughs> Regardless, thank you, Binge-topia. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, For whatever reason, and maybe the reasons we just discussed, honestly, with the facelessness and the creepiness, um, Slenderman took off and propelled the entire concept of creepypasta into the mainstream spotlight and inspired many, 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 many other characters and spinoffs in the form of these, like, similarly spooky characters. Mm -hmm. Some of which... And I'm not sure if any of these names are going to, like, dredge up anything in your memory, but I remembered all these off the top of my head. Because I was in the community. Yeah. I was involved. She was on DeviantArt. Maybe. (laughs) You just said that, like, two seconds ago, so don't act. Mom and Dad, don't listen. (laughs) But um, some of the more famous characters were Jeff the Killer, which was a serial killer, which is basically like the Joker, except he's an emo boy. Um... (laughs) Um, Ben Drowned, who was this soul of a child that was supposedly trapped in a cursed copy of Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask. This one was fucking spooky because they had, like, videos where the person who made all this content had, like, corrupted the, um, like, some kind of, like, video game where he could, like, make it seem like the actual video game was haunted. So there were, like, videos of the characters, like, doing all these fucked up things. And he was like, oh, my God, guys, I just recorded this. It's so scary. I don't know what's happening. But it, it's literally just, like, him making the shit do all Yeah, it. that's creepy, though. Mm-hmm. That creeps me out, we, actually. We could probably still find the original videos on YouTube See, now. that would, to the, I'm a 22-year-old, almost 23-year-old man. That would creep me out. We can watch it later. I want to see your reaction. Okay. Because it is a little unsettling if you don't know what to expect. So... We'll look forward to that later. Um, There was also another video game one, Sonic.exe. Similar concept. The characters in the video game are cursed and they're trying to kill you. And finally, Squidward Suicide, Mm -hmm. which was... (laughs) You know that one? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you remember about it? I just remember at my, like, fifth grade summer camp, one of the kids, I remember... I don't know why I dropped the full government name. (laughs) 
he like showed us that on his like he had a, a phone and he like yeah he like showed us that and i just okay actually this is a true story we actually we watched it and they were like casey i dare you to call target and ask if they have a copy of Squidward's Suicide. No. So I called Target. You didn't. I was like 12. And I was like, hi. <laughs> um, and I asked if they had it. And they were like, um, I don't think Target would carry something with the name Suicide in the title. Fair. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That's a fair reaction. I don't know why that is a memory, but yeah. Yeah. I remember watching like compilations of like all of these like top 10 creepypasta videos like in my room in the dark like after my bedtime when I'm supposed to be in bed with my fucking kindle fire yeah and like <laughs> listening out of the corner of my ear for my parents to come upstairs because they knew that I was a little shit that didn't go to bed on time yeah. so they would constantly <laughs> just be checking like is she fucking asleep or is she watching YouTube videos again yeah so there was also that added element of like I don't know, I guess the paranoia of being caught that also kind of made me freaked out. Yeah. But that definitely did something to my brain in a way. <clears throat> All of these stories reached their peak in popularity from 2011 to 2014. And while, as I said, the stories were spooky and scary when I was 13, a lot of it nowadays is just, it's laughable mm -hmm. at best. And some of them are still unsettling. Um, I went back and looked at a couple of them, which I still remember being, like, actually freaked out by forever ago. I found a picture of one that I want to show you. Oh. <laughs> Lauren, I'm going to be scared. You're not going to be scared. My Only roommate's home tonight, which I'm happy about. Well, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. But the first of which was a creepypasta by the name of the Russian sleep experiment. Oh, I know this one. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, that one freaked me out. And the concept still gives me chills. And for our listeners who aren't as damaged as we are, it is, <laughs> <laughs> it's a story um, where they kind of mimic... Um, experiment logs from a soviet test site where they were testing this drug that was supposed to make soldiers like more effective in battle because they wouldn't need to sleep ever again and it like details the um resulting insanity that ensues as the soldiers are unable to sleep and subsequently like go fucking crazy mm -hmm. that one still sticks with me because that one's spooky but did you ever hear the rake no that one also terrified me because it was this story about essentially what was a wendigo and normally not the scariest thing in the world i don't know what that is oh you don't know what okay no. it is a like native american folk legend about a person who after consuming another person's flesh can like shapeshift oh and they just look really fucking spooky okay so concept itself not that scary however uh the problem with the rake is that uh, they had pictures of the damned thing. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I remember being, oh, the picture still unsettles me to this day, and I'm going to show Casey. Is you spooky? Oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> like that. It's uh, for our uh, Spotify listeners. We'll post all of the images I show Casey on our Instagram post when the episode goes live on the Friday, but... We need to put a little, like, warning. Disclaimer. Next slide is spooky. <laughs> Next slide is spooky. It is a uh, skinny little white thing that has glowing <laughs> eyes. Stop talking about me. <laughs> You're not skinny. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a skinny white humanoid creature with glowing eyes, and it just looks like a fucking creepy little cryptid guy, and I don't That's like him. That's, like, something that when I was in, like, 
third grade playing in the woods at night with my friends i would be like this that i would i would have seen a picture of that and i would be like this is out there and we would all run back to our homes no that absolutely i think i had like a moment like that like just after reading the story because of course i read it at dark after bedtime like all that other shit and i remember very clearly thinking oh my god is this thing real yeah and like not being able to sleep afterwards because i had little shudders shivers (laughs) (laughs) so um at the same time as these creepypastas were being written a similar vein of stories were beginning to garner popularity and in turn provide a new avenue through which this content could evolve playing on the idea of the is it real is it fake dichotomy that made these stories so popular authors across the internet began to create a sort of club shall we say dedicated to authors artists and other creatives that were all in on the joke a collection of internet urban legends scary stories art pieces and lore all combining into a singular entity in january of 2008 dubbed the scp foundation SCP. SCP. Okay. The SCP Foundation, or Secure, Contain, Protect Foundation, functions as a fictional shadow organization with the express purpose of protecting the general public from monsters, aliens, and all manners of cryptids. It stemmed, once again, from the slash X paranormal board on 4chan and has taken on a life entirely its own. Originating in tandem with the creepypasta movement, in contrast, the SCP Foundation has retained its momentum and still boasts a thriving fan base to this day. So there is still content being made for this foundation wow. as we speak. Okay. And it is all really fucking cool. Is it free to read? Mm-hmm. Okay. It is entirely, like, run by, like, I think there's, like, some kind of, like... They call themselves the ethics board. We'll get into that a tiny bit. <laughs> that like moderates the stories and they run contests and all of these writers from all walks of life across the internet come together to create essentially internet urban legends. Okay. So like I said, based on the concept of urban legend, fiction, horror, mystery, and sci-fi, the foundation is a collection of hundreds upon hundreds of entries of different entities many of which are creatures, concepts, and stories created for the express purpose of adding to the lore of the Foundation itself. The first SCP, SCP SCP-173, was a copypasta about a statue that only moved when a viewer blinked, chasing down unsuspecting passerby to attack and maim the viewer. An image was attached of a statue in which appeared to be a holding cell covered in blood and other human waste, which propelled the post to even greater heights of popularity. Do you want to describe the picture I'm about to show you, Casey? Oh, I have to describe it. <laughs> I'd like you to, because okay. I'm assuming you haven't seen it no, before. I, no, I would remember. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Not what I was... Okay, it looks like a humanoid dog. Standing in the corner of a storage container. Yep. Like humping the wall. (laughs) I'm so happy you said that because that was a joke. (laughs) That was a running joke for the longest time. The the thing looked like it was humping the wall. It looks like horny. Like I'm not even, I'm like unsettled by it, but I'm not like afraid of it. (laughs) 
Like that's not like the first photo you showed me. Like that thing, I will not think is in the corner of my room tonight. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> so for whatever reason, that initial first SCP like started the ball rolling, and from there, other writers began to create creatures of their own. And before long, the foundation had migrated to its own website. Sans the January two thousand eight date I gave you. This website has a vast, almost limitless catalog of short stories, ranging from accounts detailing the creation of God to entries that try to grapple with the eldritch horrors that live outside the realm of human understanding. Monsters, humans, inanimate objects, even concepts dubbed cognito hazards all have a place within the lore of the Foundation. For example, here are a couple of my favorite entries. Firstly, SCP-6765, The Scarlet King, an eldritch horror that spells the beginning of the apocalypse and acts as a doomsday bringer. SCP-1470, Telekinetic Spider, an Australian fringed jumping spider Ooh. that has the ability to telekinetically communicate with humans. Oh, that's freaky. Due to its size and the nature of its consciousness, it is unable to comprehend the vastness of the universe and its position in the proverbial pecking order. The entry follows its attempts to rationalize and communicate with facility personnel. So it takes this concept of a spider that is able to communicate with people and is like, this little bitch doesn't know about the vastness of the universe. Let's put this bitch in a situation. Oh, that's so weird. It's so cool. Because that gets into, like, psychological thriller. Yes. That's cool. Because imagine you are this, like, little teeny tiny insect that has no concept of, like, human beings as, like, conscious, rational creatures that are, A, so much bigger than you, B, so much more powerful than you, and control everything around you. And human beings aren't even, like, the controlling force in the universe. And it forces you to have those, like, philosophical conundrums along with the fucking spider <laughs> can you send me the name of that one i will i will that one is one of my favorites because it is so fucking weird that's so weird i love it it's so interesting and then like another little palate cleanser scp 999 an amorphous blob that transforms into anything that the subject finds most comforting and will take joy in bringing them happiness uh-huh. so we just have like a wide variety wait is that one just like wholesome with no yes. dark twist or yes. anything yes. oh wow so okay. you have like a huge breadth of all these different little creative like ideas like you've got the blob you've got the spider you've got like spooky scary icky shit that's cool it's really fucking that's well done. really cool because all three of those things are like they're on like a spectrum mm-hmm. that's really cool it's all vastly different and the world building the lore the complexities of the foundation are second to none as a result many pieces of spin-off media have been created to expand the scp universe which includes multiple graphic novels Whoa. plays video games and short films all of which are available to view and purchase online cool yeah so bitches, cool. bitches are down with the foundation. Look at them. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that neat? That's really cool. So, as I mentioned before, the creation of the foundation's original... We're going to do that again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the creation of the foundation's official website in 2008 set a standard for internet fiction, which has informed a majority of spooky content creation over the past 14 years. One wow. for 14 years. Wow. Some of the most innovative, exciting, and thought-provoking short stories I've ever read 
live on the foundation's website and it would take months if not years to sort through all the content that's accumulated over the course of the site's lifespan but this isn't where our story ends this is the start of the next chapter <laughs> despite the continued popularity of the foundation and its ever-expanding catalog of content the 2010s and 2020s have brought about new innovative ways to introduce spooky content to the masses online one of which being video mm -hmm. Analog horror is the newest subgenre of internet indie horror and is still an active, vibrant part of the internet horror community. Using media lifted from old videos, TV ads, and VHS tapes, analog horror lulls the viewer into a false sense of security by capitalizing on nostalgia before using it to craft narratives of harrowing proportions. This shit is gonna freak me out. This shit freaks me the fuck out i can think of a couple examples that fucked me up when i was a kid give them to me what do you got um there was a video of a woman it was like a mannequin woman i know what you're talking you know what i'm about. talking about is it i feel fantastic yep 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 and see that's something if you're listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about that's understandable it's so hard to explain but it's like a mannequin. This isn't in your script, is it? No. It's, it's like not. a mannequin woman wearing a wig. Yep. Standing in the corner of a room and she's like singing in like a robotic voice. It's like a robot, kind it's of. It's like a robot. Yeah. And she's singing like, I, yeah, because her mouth moves. Yeah. She's like, I feel fantastic. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. And then it just like pans to like the woods. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing inherently like scary about mm -hmm. it. It's just so so unsettling so deeply horribly unsettling yeah did you ever like get into like i i remember like watching um a fucking <laughs> another like top 10 creepiest yeah. unexplainable internet videos yeah. <laughs> video and did you ever hear like the theories behind that shit i remember like one what was it that okay this is so beyond unhinged but it was a it was a theory that a woman was buried in a box in the woods Yep. And then her voice was connected to that, like, robot thing. Oh, really? Yeah. <gasps> and every time, this is so unhinged, mm -hmm. and every time she, like, screamed or something, the robot would say, like, I feel fantastic, <gasps> which obviously is not even close to being the truth of anything. I've never heard that one before. That's spooky. What did you hear? I heard that the robot was created by a man who had killed a woman and buried her in his backyard. And he had, like, created the robot as, like, an effigy of her because he was so obsessed with her. He didn't want anyone else to have her. Ugh. Which is also fucking spooky. But see, that's such, that's so, that's such a good example, though, of this kind of content that in and of itself is scary, but, like, it's fine. And then people start building and it snowballs. Yep. And one story turns into, like, an mm -hmm. updated story. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it becomes, like, an urban legend. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, yeah. Anyway. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. So that's actually a really good example of analog horror. But some other early examples of this kind of content could be the Blair Witch Project and The Ring, both of which utilize okay. like grainy found footage type techniques to make it seem like real, real-er than like, you know, a highly produced, perfectly yeah. manicured horror movie where there's perfectly choreographed jump scares. Mm -hmm. It just feels more like lifelike and i think that's why two of those movies 
are considered to be some of the most terrifying pieces of 21st century media. Yeah. Like, the ring and the Blair Witch are up there. Yeah. They are fucking spooky. <laughs> well, because when the Blair Witch came out in the 90s... Whenever. Yeah, yeah. it was a while ago. <laughs> yep. It was apparently, like, my parents have cited it as, like, the most terrifying film ever. Mm-hmm. And granted, like, I've seen it, and it's, like, it's like spooky. Mm-hmm. But it's just because it was so innovative. Yes, yeah. And because I, th- I think, and correct me if I'm wrong... The marketing team also marketed this as real. Yeah, yeah. Yes. As, like, found footage. Yes, yeah. as, like, this is actually found footage from this group that was found in the woods, and this is completely 100% real. So which that... is how they market creepypastas. Yes, yeah. yes. Which all, it, it, it's all connected. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. spider web. <laughs> wow, my brain is, like, thinking. It's on board. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, where was I in my script? <clears throat> However... On YouTube, the analog horror community has taken off in ways unlike anything that larger movie studios could ever hope to make, and are creating new ways to terrify viewers through new and innovative methods. One such methods being the limitations within the medium itself, and we'll dive into that a little bit more. Okay. Two masterclasses in the use of this concept are The Backrooms mm. and The Mandela Catalog. And I've given Casey a tiny taste of the back rooms before. But for those who don't know, <laughs> <laughs> the back rooms is our final piece of 4chan inspired horror and stems once again from the paranormal message board slash X. Created on May 12th, 2019, users were asked to post unsettling images and the innocuous image of the yellow hallways and dull fluorescent lights that would become that would come to be known. <laughs> that would come to be known as the backrooms was uploaded to 4chan. I got too excited. <laughs> <laughs> she was thinking about backrooms. I was. There it is. Ooh. It is. Ooh. It is a. Actually, do you want to describe it? It's a. It's a photo. It's literally a picture of like a hallway with yellow wallpaper being overlit by fluorescent lighting. There's no like window and it looks like there's just it's just like an endless hallway but it's not like artistically done it is like someone just like whipped out a disposable photo and just like took a picture of this Mm -hmm. it looks like a real office space that you would like navigate that is a perfect description thank you (laughs) you are teeing me up so well (laughs) um okay so the person uploaded that picture to 4chan at the behest of an unsettling image An anonymous user wrote a snippet beneath the post, which I will read now. If you're not careful, and you no-clip out of reality in the wrong areas, you'll end up in the back rooms, where it's nothing but the stink of old, moist carpet, the madness of mono-yellow, the endless background noise of fluorescent yellow lights at maximum humbuzz, and approximately six hundred million square miles of randomly segmented rooms to be trapped in god save you if you hear something wandering around nearby because it sure as hell heard you oh my god (laughs) are you kidding me i'm dead ass and that and that image which again we're gonna post on the instagram is what propelled this like simple piece of content into what is now 
and I haven't watched the web series yet, a thriving web series with all this fucking lore attached to it. Really similar to the SCP Foundation. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And it's cool, too. Like, again, the way they frame that, it's not like... It, it's like this could happen to you. Yeah. Like, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. This could happen to you. This mm-hmm. is real. It, it frames it not as, like, a hypothetical mm-hmm. or, like, something removed, but mm-hmm. something like this. You could be right here. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, one of the more... Um, one of the pieces of the post that people really latched onto was the language used in it. So the term no clip is from like video game terminology where if you get like too close to a wall or too close to a point in a specific map that was like um, poorly made or bugged out, you will fall through the map into a space in between where your game character will die because you've fallen out of the coding of the game and the space where you're supposed to exist, which is above it. So you're stuck there. In limbo. Oh, that's horrifying. And that is supposedly what the backrooms is. It is limbo, and it is just miles and miles and miles of these endless yellow hallways that you can't escape from. Can I say something so unhinged and ridiculous? That's what sleep paralysis feels like. Period. Period. I get, for the listeners, I get sleep paralysis. Like, this isn't isn't a joke. This is real. I get sleep paralysis, like, a lot. Oh, really? Like, I get sleep paralysis, like, at least once a month. Oh, no. um, For the past, like, ten years. And that's exactly what it feels like. Is like, you are not in the world, Mm -hmm. but you are not dead. Mm -hmm. You just exist in this, like, dark limbo oh sorry that, not to like freak no, you no, out no 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 but... that's that's probably exactly why it became so famous because this is this is literally my next bullet point this post be it the way it was written or the image attached to it tapped into some deep seated piece of psycholo i can't fucking read <laughs> some deep seated piece of psychology that unsettled nearly every person who read it mm-hmm. users compared the image to old creepypasta postings called it an uncatalogued SCP, and eventually settled on the fact that the image represented the quintessential liminal space. Mm. Which, as per the dictionary.com definition, is a place of transition made by humans for the express purpose of housing many of them, where all traces of human life have mysteriously vanished. Ooh. So it's it's like Roanoke. Yeah. It's like a shopping mall at 4 a.m. Oh. Which is just quiet and dull, and it's fluorescent humming, and there's nobody there. But it feels like there should be someone yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So that's it, it. Yeah, which is what makes it so fucking creepy, because you are just expecting someone to be there, but there isn't. Or is there? Yeah, yeah. It's like there's nobody there, but at the same time, you feel like there's someone right over your shoulder. Yep. Because it's like the lingering presence of people that were there like a ghost <laughs> that's kind of how like sometimes when i open i work at a restaurant yep. i talk about this a lot sometimes when i open the restaurant and i walk in and i'm the only person i'm not the only person there but like there are very like the managers are in the back of the kitchen like mm-hmm. whatever it feels creepy because mm-hmm. it's like i'm used to the space being full mm-hmm. and loud and noises and scents and exactly. then it's just empty and quiet and quiet and still yeah yep yeah. Yep, that's why. Yeah. It's a liminal space. Creepy. Yep. You gave me a word for that. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> You've earned a new word. <laughs> Merriam Webster says. <laughs> Merriam Webster says, liminal bitch. <laughs> Merriam with the good hair. Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs>
But um, yes, like I mentioned previously, there is an ongoing web series about the backrooms that I personally haven't had the chance to watch yet. I think I will because, like I said, it's very spooky. I like the concept. It's really interesting. Yeah. However, the second piece of analog horror we're going to explore is a web series that I am much more familiar with. And it is a project called the Mandela Catalog, which was created by Alex Kister. The first episode of the ongoing series was posted to YouTube on June 9th, 2021, and is one of the most effective, terrifying pieces of media used to tee up an online horror series I've seen in a long time. It's really recent. It's really fucking recent. And we'll get into this a tiny bit later. Most of the first half of the first season i want to say was created on this guy's phone oh so it is a very very simple format with very simple tricks used to just create the most unsettling icky feeling and we're gonna talk about it so this first episode titled overthrown and it's not like overthrown as in like o-v-e-r-t-h-r-o-w-n it's overthrown as in like over a, a chair. Yeah. And that's important. Oh. This episode begins with footage lifted from a VHS tape of Christian creation stories. The, gra- the grainy texture of the film and the crackle of the audio immediately transports the viewer back to a time in their lives when things were simpler, kinder, presumably when they were younger. The animated video continues, and we watch a snippet of two shepherds reacting to the voice that speaks from the heavens. The angel Gabriel descends into frame and begins to tell the shepherd that he has great news concerning the birth of their savior. Christ has been born in Davis town. Before long, the audio begins to warp. The film of the VHS tape has been altered, maybe corrupted. The angel's face warps into a grin. He speaks a second time. I have great news. I am your true savior. I know everything about that what makes you human. I know what you love. I know what you dread. The screen goes black and the audio cuts out. Shaking breathing is heard. The cartoon comes to an end and the video cuts to black. But within the video lies more information. Any thoughts? Um, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah? I'm like, I was like grinning when you started telling the story and mm-hmm. I'm like, freaked out now you look a little stiff i am i don't like that (laughs) because that not only does that subvert like a vhs tape but Mm -hmm. that subverts like like thousands of years old like not mythology but like you know what i mean like like a biblical narrative yes yes (laughs) and you're on the right track with that (sighs) as i mentioned previously the limitations of the medium in analog horror are, in my opinion, will make the content so unsettling. By using the old VHS footage, the story of the angel Gabriel, and some small audio-video distortion tricks, Alex Kirst is able to create an atmosphere that harkens back to a space in your mind that creates an unprecedented amount of dread. Is it the perversion of childhood media? The larger narrative that begins to unfold from the first episode? Maybe it's the hidden message in the subtitles of the video, which add context to the mystery which Kirst has begun to unfold. This one small detail, 
being the hidden info in the subtitles, highlights a key aspect of this new wave of content that sets it ahead of larger mainstream studios, I would argue by leaps and bounds, and that is the audience involvement in the media. One of the most exciting and frustrating parts of the Mandela catalog is the fact that much of the information we have concerning the larger narrative is posted out of order, locked behind ciphers, or hidden in levels of religious subtext that need some serious research to unpack. But that, in and of itself, is what makes the consumption of this content so rewarding. Once you put all the episodes in order and unpack all of the hidden content, a truly disturbing picture begins to form within this alternate timeline Alex has created. It forces you to consider questions about morality, religion, paranormal activity, and demonic possession, all through the lens of a few scattered VHS tapes and video editing that can be done on a smartphone. Ugh. Over the course of the series 10 episode run, the community has come to a larger consensus about the narrative that Alex has spun. Here's their best guess. And uh, small spoilers for the Mandela catalog. Alex Kirst has constructed a narrative in which the Antichrist sabotaged the Annunciation of baby Jesus and inserted himself into the position of Jesus Christ in biblical mythology. Oh my god, that's so good. Sorry. <laughs> that's so smart. There's more. <laughs> um, creating a means by which the devil would be able to open pathways for demons to enter the realm of the living, take over the bodies of human beings, and create, in essence, a hell on earth the complete and utter subjugation of the Christian faith by Satan. That's so smart. Yeah. That's like a genius subversion of that story. It is so well done. Wow. <laughs> I do not have the words to like describe how much I love this series. And I couldn't get to all of my favorites in this episode because we're probably already going to be more than an hour long at this point. But that's the Mandela catalog. And... We're reaching the end of my script. So, another little narrative tidbit, and then I'm done for the night. Ugh. While internet indie horror is still a relatively new genre, the possibilities of the medium are endless. Despite the fact that these creators don't have much to work with, other than their imaginations in a computer, they're going above and beyond to create pieces of media that are innovative, interesting, and thought-provoking. While the internet can oftentimes be a scummy, nasty, and even scary place, it's exciting to see what can be created from this place of uncertainty. And I, and many others, will certainly be looking forward to seeing what these content creators will come up with next. Damn. Damn! That's really cool. Thank you. That's really, really, really cool. Um, as I, I don't remember if I mentioned it on the episode or if I may have just said this to you in passing, this is um, this is the result of many years of being a very lonely, nerdy teenager. <laughs> so this was my baby. <laughs> Much like your To Catch a Predator episode, I dug deep for this one, and yeah. uh, it's very close to my heart. That was amazing. Thank that you. was really, really. I just I think that the whole theme of like urban urban legends in their original form being like just stories that like preteens told each other on the playground mm -hmm. and that sort of becoming in the very early internet age what it became and now it being like video involved and stuff i just think it's really cool how like 
humans like evolve storytelling through the mediums that technology gives them i think that's really cool the progression is so fucking cool and i i did have like a pretty basic timeline kind of sketched out when i first started doing the research for this episode because like i said i have a very intimate knowledge of all this shit Mm -hmm. but i didn't realize how interconnected everything was until i started doing this research like looking at the wikipedia articles the um i did look at a couple 4chan threads i'm not gonna lie (laughs) um some of the fandom wikis and like going back to all these old stories and seeing like the common threads between all of them and the ways in which each previous story informed the next that's so cool it was so fun to research and i'm really glad you enjoyed listening to it i really enjoyed that and not to okay one more thing sorry (laughs) not even like these stories inform each other like like directly since like the beginning of 4chan to like now Mm -hmm. but also like a wendigoo is that the correct nope what's it called wendigoon a wendigoon (laughs) wait are you talking about the youtuber the creature the creature wendigo a wendigo (laughs) wendy goon that's my guy i went to high school with her no a wendy goo Wendigo. When now you got <laughs> Sorry. me Sorry, a Wendigo. Wendigo. A Wendigo. Wendigo. Which exists in like creepy pasta stuff. Was also a Native American like like it goes way fucking back. Mm-hmm. And it's like and like so it it went from like Native American people passing these on throughout the generation to mm-hmm. you are now watching it on the TV on your Roku in your bedroom in 2022, <laughs> and you know? And I'm talking about the still face experiment from Bitchtopia with my bestie. It's crazy. Exactly. The it's so web. cool. The spider web. It's so, yeah, that's so, so, so cool. <sighs> I'm glad you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed it a lot. Slay. And one more thing. Sorry. <laughs> the way that they're presented as true yeah. is so crazy. Because yeah. when I heard about the Russian sleep experiment when I was in like middle school, yep. I was under the assumption that that was a thing that, that happened yeah, in because, history. Because respectfully, the Soviets do be committing war crimes. Well, yeah. So did the Nazis. I was so like, do Americans. Thank you. <laughs> like, Thank you for keeping me in check. The bitches do be causing war crimes. Yeah. So it is not a stretch to assume that they would do something this fucked up and it would find its way onto the internet. Yes. That was my, you know, thought process. And when you write it as, like, case notes as something yes. that actually happened. Oh, my God, yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing this. I enjoyed this a lot. Yes! I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So Lauren just showed me the Mandela catalog Mm -hmm. videos. We watched a couple. We watched Overthrown and Intruder Alert. Didn't like them. Mm -mm. Objectively didn't like them. Mm -mm. What I said is I feel like Creepypasta back in the day was meant, well, at least I read it as like, oh, that's a little spooky. But that was kind of it. Mm -hmm. These are scary. Yeah. Unsettling and scary. Yep. And something that I um, I noted as we were watching this back. That's a good point. Is unlike a lot of other like spooky scary content on the internet, these videos don't have any jump scares. So throughout the entirety of the video that you're watching, you just have this like lingering building sense of dread that just gets compounded the longer you go with each video and there isn't any like climactic moment to give you that moment of release in a way 
So we're still feeling a little bit of the dread. Oh, I'm still a little tense. A little tense. Still a little tense. <laughs> wow, this was spooky. Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed learning about this stuff. And I'm shocked that 4chan still exists. <laughs> I am too. When I was going back and looking at all of it, I was like, damn, this shit hasn't been shut down yet. That's crazy. Yeah, right? Especially after January 6th. It's like, come on, guys, get your shit together. I do know that 8chan is a thing now. Yes. Yep. That one is like way more off the rails, if you can imagine it. Well, that's like alt-right. Yes, that is like Specific. fully alt <laughs> alt-right like barely legal child pornography all Ugh. kinds of fucked up shit and i think Ew. and i might have to correct this in post but it got taken off of the internet like a bunch of different times for all of those exact reasons but it got reinstated i suppose yeah. um through like some kind of like sp- I don't know why they specified this in the wiki article, but a Russian service. <laughs> so they're back and they're Russian. Who did Chernobyl? <laughs> Not the Russians. It wasn't us. It wasn't the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find an elephant's foot and send it to you. You're going, Do it, you're going to receive the elephant's hey, foot. <laughs> Um, oh god what are you doing next week casey so next um i i work um okay. and yeah. studying <laughs> you have any midterms you're studying for oh, oh my god oh. all right anyway so next week i um i'm i'm going to that i love how this season is just like us like stroking our like weird niche like Oh. deep like <laughs> Our um, niche guilty pleasure yeah. yeah 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 i do um. be stroking it <laughs> my, my spooky little ego <laughs> that's what i call it <laughs> um, <laughs> um anyway um next week i am going to be recounting <laughs> the stories of um, a few real life plane crash survivors. Ooh, okay, I've collected myself. <laughs> that's that's awful. Oh yeah. dear. Um, there are some. So this this was something that I one day over the summer couldn't sleep. Did a Wikipedia deep dive as we do. I oh, do that yeah. all the time. Oh yeah. And um, I came across an article about plane crash survivors, and there were some absolutely wild real life stories and i'm gonna be telling them i cannot wait to base every single claim you make on yellow jackets um if y'all haven't seen yellow jackets i think that's we should do an episode just that's like our real like guilty pleasure stroking event circle jerk event my god i have i have watched i've watched the first episode i think going on four times now it's so good and the entire seat and the entire season two times and the second season's coming out soon and i got casey into it with me gina if you're listening thank you excellent show i'm so unbelievably obsessed it's not even it's one of my favorite shows ever period like ever i really 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 love that show i am so excited for season two and i read about these plane crash survivors pre-watching yellow because i remember mentioning to you i read an article about plane crash survivors and you were like we need to watch yellow jackets Uh and then you showed it to me Uh so like it Uh really just Uh like furthered my interest in in plane crash survivors i cannot wait yeah so this is what we'll be talking about next friday i cannot wait it's gonna be a great episode Oh, that reminds me. We actually have a listener write-in for this part of the episode. Oh! Let me... Pull it up. Let me pull that up quick. I forgot about that. Yeah, me too. Um, Since I did the bulk of the research for the episode, do you want to read the 
listener write in? Maybe? Sure. So this is from our friend who we gave a shout out earlier mm-hmm. because she introduced us to Benchtopia. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorite people in this world. Mm-hmm. Her name is Amelia. Um, and in response to our post asking if anyone has any spooky experiences on the internet, she swiped up and said, recently stumbled across a Reddit post of a girl talking about when she stripped naked in a dumpster and shoved rotting meat up her vagine. Um, <laughs> no context, no link, no <laughs> the picture didn't screenshots. Um, I, you know, unfortunately had heard of this story before Amelia sent it to us. You are such on the weirdest part of the internet. I just have like I think and I'm not sure if this could be count as like a medical condition. Morbid <laughs> curiosity to the point where I scare myself sometimes. Yeah, see that's like what I had when and I'm not I'm, I don't mean this to sound douchey. That's like what I had when I was like 11 mm-hmm. and I scared myself to fucking death and then I got to a point where I had to be like I'm done like I can't do this anymore what did you scare yourself with just like watching like creepy pastas oh, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and yeah. I just like wouldn't wouldn't stop and then I got to a point where I was like this is ruining my well-being and I had to stop see I wish I'd had that little voice in the back of my head that said that because here I am <laughs> <laughs> watching spooky scary videos in the dark well and I'm not much better though because I do watch so much true crime that I've bought a baseball bat a ring camera and a door bar so well, like I'm not really in the position to judge well but... in, in in this current state of affairs I also have a door bar yeah it'd be like that it'd be unfortunately like that. that's like that's a cruel reality of this world it sure is and on that note we'll see you thanks next for listening week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week and magnum, magnum. bye, bye. bye.